Folks, we should be excited. And if you're not excited, please get excited. There are some exciting things happening. Uh, I think we're in for some really good stuff. Hey, look at these guys. The president, of course, always happy. Uh, well, and his buddy there is Nigel Farage. Now, do you know Nigel? He started the Brexit party in the UK, and he's in the United States right now. He's a Brit. Sometimes it takes an outsider to put things together for us. And he's had some highs and lows in politics. And the way he put what's happening in America right now and what could happen in the days and years to come, well, I think he's on to something big time. Listen to this. Many conservatives in America now are worried, depressed, even disillusioned with the election result, with what's going on in the big cities, and indeed with many plans that the Biden administration potentially have. Some people almost thinking all is lost. And my message is, we voted for Brexit in 2016, and by the spring of 19, we'd been denied it. And many in Britain felt as disillusioned as you are now, but do you know what we did? We fought back. We fought back, we won, we got Brexit done, we overcame the entirety of global politics. And if we could have won, from our position, I'm damn certain that America can win. I'm damn certain that the midterms coming up, if people start to get positive and focus on them, it could be a huge victory. Nigel dropped by last week. He was on the show, and his comments really stayed with me. We do have a lot going for us, including 45, the president who's consistent and has been consistent his entire career. You look at the comments he made decades ago, very similar. The same positions, essentially, that he has today. Joe Biden doesn't have that. He's been all over the place his entire career. Also, President Trump knows how to work big time. You saw it. I saw it. Even the fake news could not deny that this guy was a worker. And right now, he still has tremendous support. Take a look at this poll from uh, the good people at McLaughlin Associates. Yes, they want to see him back in office. This is from Republicans, but those are very impressive numbers. Meanwhile, America is getting a good look at Joe Biden. And do you think they're impressed? Do you think they're impressed by what they're seeing? Sure, the media, they're covering up a lot of this stuff, but you can only cover up so much. He's got problems. And we can all see that he's not doing what he promised he would do back when he was campaigning. Remember the promises? That I plan on uniting the country, bringing Democrats and Republicans together. I'll work with Democrats and Republicans. I'll work as hard for those who don't support me as for those who do. I do not see America in terms of red and blue. Bringing the country together, that's the job of a president. All right, that's when he was asking for our vote. Well, now that he's in the White House, he has changed his tune rather dramatically. He actually said this yesterday about working with Republicans. President, do you have any comments on the efforts to oust Liz Cheney from the House Republican Post? I don't understand your problem. One more time. I don't understand the Republicans. That's what he said. One more time. He doesn't understand the Republicans. Well, Joe Biden told us he knew all about getting along, bipartisanship. 
This guy could even get along with Jesse Helms. Who remembers Jesse Helms, a Republican of North Carolina? This guy was pretty controversial, uh, too conservative for a lot of conservatives. But he had no problem back then getting along with Jesse Helms. And he can't figure out today's Republicans, really? Is it that hard? He clearly is violating his number one promise that he would bring us together. See, there he is. No problem getting along with Jesse Helms. So on the big things and the small things, he deceived us. He de didn't deceive me, didn't deceive you, but he deceived a lot of people in this country. Again, even on the little things. They run when they could walk. Race up steps when others take it slow. When Joe Biden's president, America is just going to have to keep up. <laughs> Can we see Joe Biden race up those steps one more time? Uh, this is the one thing I've been telling Joe, please don't do this anymore. Take it slow. Take it slow. Media can only cover up for you so much. So Joe is not bringing us together. He's actually lying about us, exaggerating so many things that are wrong or not true, like the threat from white supremacy. I call it the white supremacy hoax. Now, they were really pushing this big time when they thought it helped their side. Remember the unfortunate mass shooting in Atlanta uh, about six weeks ago? And there's the uh, suspected gunman in custody right now. Um, many of the victims were Asian. I believe two were white. But it did not stop Joe and Kamala from running to Atlanta and making the case that the existential threat to America was white people with hate in their hearts. Attacks on some of the most vulnerable people in our nation, the elderly, low-wage workers and women. In fact, Asian-American women suffered twice as many incidents of harassment and violence as Asian-American men. We're learning again what we've always known. Words have consequences. This is a very cheap and obvious way to try to blame Trump for everything. Even this horrible incident that had nothing to do with politics, young man was twisted and lost and did the worst evil thing. But even law enforcement said that was not a hate crime. But still, they have a narrative to push, and they've been pushing it since the campaign and really into overdrive now. White supremacy is terrorism. White supremacists. Well, the white supremacy. White supremacists. Not. White supremacy. One of the greatest threats to our national security is domestic terrorism manifested by white supremacists. It's a problem with this. Uh, as you know, it's not true. White supremacy is it's not serious. No one takes it seriously. It's not a thing. It's reprehensible, but it's not a force in America. It isn't. You know this country. You know it better than Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. They're pushing this for political reasons, and they got a great big partner in the media. I also want to point out that um, black and brown people are also standing in solidarity with the AAPI community. Here's what uh, Shonda Rhimes tweeted. Um, Hashtags are nice, but actions save lives. Okay, they're talking about the Asian-American Pacific Islander community, Asian community. Shonda Rhimes, Hollywood heavyweight, big-time producer, uh, Scandal, I think, and a bunch of other hit shows. But you know what? They're not talking about this that much anymore. That was in the aftermath of Atlanta, where the suspect was white. Well, now we are seeing an increase in anti-Asian crimes, but the assailants are 
often people of color, African-American often. This is in New York. You'll see an African-American woman attack these two Asian people. This is very unfortunate, very tough to take, but it's true and it's happening. It also reflects why there's less media interest. It's happened in Baltimore this week. Take a look at this. A man attacked two Asian women in a liquor store, a brutal attack. That is a local story to be sure, but again, it's interesting that the national media is losing interest. Take a look at the suspect. Uh, and fortunately, they did capture somebody, apprehend a person. This is really happening, but it doesn't seem to concern law enforcement, at least at the national level. Here's a way to judge what the FBI, what they value, what they're concerned about. I'm going to go to their Twitter page right now. This is the, the FBI homepage. There's FBI headquarters. Welcome to the official Twitter page of the FBI. Now, what's the very first matter that they have? This is a pinned tweet. Okay, they can leave it up there for all to see. This stuff changes, but everything else is this. This is the same. It's all about January 6th. The FBI is still seeking information to help identify individuals who actively instigated violence on January 6th in Washington, D.C. This remains the top priority of the FBI. Now, remember, on January 6th, only one person was killed, and the FBI ain't talking about it, and nobody else is. Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed, and she was unarmed, and her hands were visible. And by the way, she received no warning. The police officer said nothing. Back off, no. She was shot and killed, and nobody seems to care. We care. Family's lawyer will be on in a little bit. And how about this? There are people still in custody from January 6th. I know it was a horrible day, but let's take the horns guy for a moment. He's still in federal custody? Now, he acted like an idiot, but he didn't hurt anybody that I saw. Cameras were everywhere. He didn't break anything that I saw, and cameras were everywhere. Why is he still in jail? What kind of country is this? There are murderers, suspected murderers, who have been caught for crimes that happened after January 6th, who've been arrested and are already out on bail. And this guy's in jail? That's not right. What's happening here, Mr. President? Mr. President, you, moderate Joe, Amtrak Joe, middle-class lunch-pail Joe, does the left own you so much? Is your son that vulnerable? The DOJ, are they just waiting to pounce? That's what some of us believe, that you are so owned by the left and your son is so broken and perhaps so corrupt that you will do anything to protect him and that means doing anything that the left wants. There is some real serious circumstantial evidence that this is what the arrangement is. Barack Obama, back when you were president-elect, seemed to be bragging that he would still be in charge. People would ask me, knowing what you know now, do you wish like you had a, sec a, a third term? Um, and I, I used to say, you know what, if, if I could make an arrangement where um, I had, a, I had a, a stand in, a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats mm -hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony, wow. I, I'd be fine with that. Well, sounds like he's got that arrangement, doesn't it? 
That sounds like exactly what's happening. Wow, he really has changed his tune. This guy, Barack Obama, he was trying to charm us back in 2004 through 2008, uh, even the way he wrote about us and about America. This is not a black America and a white America and a Latino America and an Asian America. There's the United States of America. Isn't that beautiful? Back in 2004, that was a line from his uh, keynote speech at the Democrat National Convention that nominated John Kerry. Now, that same passage is in his new book, which is quite a read, by the way, uh, Promised Land. There is not a black America and a white America and a Latino America and an Asian America. There's the United States of America. Can you see the difference? All right, 2004, lowercase b. This is the same author. 2020, uppercase b. If you want to uppercase that, fine. But I noticed that w in white is lowercase. Somehow I don't like that. I mean, it's not a big deal, but in the same, at the same time, it is kind of getting to be a big deal. And some of us are trying, feeling, or not supposed to feel all that because we might not look like that. I don't like it, all right? No matter what your color, I don't think this is right. I know it's not right. Still, I'm not gonna get depressed. I'm going to stay excited. And if you're not excited, please get excited. We'll be right back, we got some great stuff ahead. can say is, is that, that the fake news just doesn't get it to them. They don't. And in the morning, they all want to talk and talk at the same time instead of just clarifying things for us. Here's a moment. Maybe I'm being a little bit nitpicky and maybe it's easy for me to say because I don't have a co-host. But this happened on CBS Morning News this morning. Time now for what to watch. Uh, so you've got a story about homecoming royalty. Do we have any high school royalty here at no, the table? Not here. No, <laughs> not here. Not me. So no you must be the homecoming. Were you no, homecoming king? No, no. <laughs> our, our executive producer Shauna was uh, a prom queen? princess. I prom? Wow, oh, that's, a big deal. that's pretty this cool. I did not know. So. Show, show Shauna in the control room. <laughs> Let's see. Prom princess. Prom princess. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what the hell are they talking about? Ah, Bob in the control. Um, stuff like that happens all the time, and it bothers me. Um, Joe Biden threw a birthday party last week for Amtrak. Do you remember this? And Joe prides himself on uh, being a, I don't know, Amtrak veteran. My, millions of miles spent on Amtrak. By the way, it looks pretty comfy in there. I think he had first-class tickets on Amtrak. So... When he was celebrating Amtrak's birthday last week, once again, Joe took a story, might have a nugget of truth, but threw that nugget away and piled on a lot of crap. Excuse me. Here we go. When I became vice president, one of uh, the Capitol Hill newspapers estimated that I had taken more than 7,000 round trips in Amtrak over my career. I think that's an exaggeration. No, it's an exaggeration, all right but nothing compared to what Joe is about to do. There's two conductors that, that Mr. Weaver will remember. Uh, one of them was a guy named Angelo Negri. And Angelo, there was an article, my, I guess my fourth or fifth year as president, vice president, saying Biden travels 
1,300,000 miles on Air Force One. And I used to, the Secret Service didn't like it, but I used to like to take the train home. My mom was sick, and I'd come, try to come home almost every weekend as vice president to see her. All right, a couple of things. Uh, this puts the year conservatively at 2013. According to Joe, that's the earliest this could be happening. However, Joe's mother died, great lady, I'm sure, in 2010. And Angelo Negri, FNC, got to give him credit, looked it up. He retired in 1993. <laughs> Keep going, Joe. I was getting on the train, and Angelo Negri came up to me and goes, Joey, baby! And he grabbed my cheek, started to squeeze it, like he always did. And I thought he was going to get shot. <laughs> I'm serious. And I said, no, no, he's a friend. He said, Joey, what's the big deal? A million, 200,000, 300,000 miles on Air Force Two. You know how many miles you travel on Amtrak? I said, no, Angie, I don't know. And he gave me the calculation. And he said, you travel 1,515,000 miles on Amtrak. So the fact is, I probably take Angie's word before I took the word of what the article said. Oh, this is right out of the corn pop files, huh? And, uh, oh, he was such a good friend that the Secret Service almost shot him because he got too close to Vice President Joe Biden. Oh, Angelo, ah, corn pop. None of that's true. None of it. All right. Got something else for you. Randy Weingarten, uh, she is the head of the United Federation of Teachers. Thank you, Joe. And she's in no rush to get back to school. She's been dragging out this COVID thing for a long, long time. And now everybody, everybody's got to be trained in uh, critical race theory before they come back. Forget COVID. Critical race theory. We've got to worry about that now. All of a sudden, you're hearing people talk about critical race theory, people who have no idea what that term means, or trying to ban the 1619 project. Well, she's actually right. I hear critical race theory a lot, and uh, I know it's disgusting every time I check it out, but I'll need a review in a moment. 1619, though, is easy. The New York Times came up with this. Basically, forget 1776, forget the Constitution, forget all of those things. America really began back when the first slave got to America, and it's, it's so ugly and it's, it's pathetic, but they have sold a lot of school districts across the country to push this stuff. All right, critical race theory, do we need a review? Sure. Critical race theory, a theory that says race is a socially constructed, culturally invented category that is used to oppress and exploit people of color. Legal institutions in the United States function to create and maintain social, economic, and political inequalities between whites and non-whites, also known as white supremacy, also known as something that is not America, also known as something that should not be taught in schools. You can be aware of it. You can also be aware that that is not the situation in America. And we have this. Yes, black lives do matter. And unlike the Black Lives Matter movement, which only seems to care about black lives when they're taken by white police officers, black lives matter, all lives matter. And we're highlighting some of the young, innocent victims who are being taken from us, and no one seems to give a damn, all right? This is terrible. This is seven-year-old Jaslyn Adams. She was shot multiple times at a McDonald's drive-thru in Chicago last week. 
Horrible situation. Now, she was in the car with her father, Jonte Adams. Unfortunately, Mr. Adams has a lengthy criminal record for drug, drug dealing. The father had just posted on Facebook that people were hunting him hours before the shooting. 45 bullets were fired into the car. He was injured. She was killed. Police rushed to the scene. And this is just uh, moments after the shooting. 18-year-old Marion Lewis was arrested and charged last week, and uh, now we have another arrest. Damon Gowdy, a 22-year-old, now in police custody. Uh, the community, the underserved community, where this is happening, they are devastated by this, and they want help. Y'all, please put the guns down. Our kids want to play. My kids can't even go out the door because of this gun violence. Y'all, please put the guns down, please. My eight-year-old baby says she don't even want to go out and play because she's scared she's going to get shot. If you had any kids, have you ever took your kids to McDonald's? Have you ever took your kids to eat? You pump six and a half bullets in that baby. That don't make you a man. Sure what that woman said? Please put the guns down. Could you imagine if some of our nation's leaders started saying that in a big, powerful way? Jaslyn Adams lost at the age of seven. We'll be right back. stuff. It is a little bit scary, maybe. Who's actually running the White House? We don't know. We do know it's not Joe Biden, though. That much is very, very clear. Our White House correspondent, who's been doing a special series on this, joins us once again, Emerald Robinson. Great to see you, Emerald. Good to see you, Greg. The, gr the music you have certainly sounds scary. <laughs> uh, yeah, We've been looking at uh, different aspects of Joe Biden's White House, including his light schedules, the unusual role the vice president is playing, some of the other key characters. Tonight, we're going to look at his weekends. During his time in the Senate, Joe Biden was known as the commuter. And as president, he's living up to that nickname. In fact, the president most often takes the weekend off. He travels uh, to his property in Delaware and also to Camp David. So let's actually break down his weekend schedule since he took office on January 20th, 2021. He spent ne nearly half of his weekend, seven to be exact, out of 15 so far, at his home in Wilmington, Delaware. He's also spent two at Camp David. However, this weekend, he's expected to go there, so that will make three. Now, he's only stayed at the White House, so only stayed in D for six of the 15 weekends thus far. And I have to tell you, Greg, I went back and looked at the weekend schedule for Joe Biden. And even when he is in D.C. at the White House, there has yet to be any items listed on his schedule for the weekend. No phone calls, no meetings, uh, no appearances. Now, comparatively, his predecessor, Donald Trump, uh, his weekend days would 
look a lot like his weekdays, which stayed very packed, albeit sometimes with a, uh, a golf outing, as uh, President Trump really loved his golf. And even when he went to Mar-a-Lago or Bedminster, often there would be uh, a working schedule for the weekend. So let's compare the past weekend for Joe Biden with the comparable weekend in Donald Trump's same uh, weekend in his uh, presidency. If you look at Joe Biden's schedule last weekend, that was uh, May 1st and May May 2nd, there was nothing official on his schedule outside of his travel to and from Delaware. Now, look in comparison at Donald Trump's Saturday schedule for uh, April 30th. He had a telephone call with uh, his then CIA director, Mike Pompeo. He then traveled to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to look at a manufacturing facility where he also signed an executive order to establish the White House Office of Trade and Manufacturing. And then later that evening, he had a Make America Great Again rally. Even on Sunday, outside of an appearance on Face the Nation, he had two calls with heads of state, Singapore and Thailand, and then he did enjoy his round of golf. Joe Biden, after taking office just two weeks later, he did travel to his home in Wilmington, Delaware, where he received some pushback from the press on that, given that the White House at the time was advising Americans not to travel because of the COVID pandemic. However, the White House defended uh, his decision to do so, even though that meant it wasn't just Biden and his wife traveling. It also meant that many journalists and Secret Service had to go to Delaware and travel during the pandemic as well. Emerald Robinson, we appreciate it so much. Wow, he's obviously carrying a very light load, it looks like. Emerald, thanks a lot. We'll see you tomorrow. I'd like to bring in our panel. We have with us Congressman Devin Nunes, Republican of California, House Intelligence Committee ranking member. And of course, Newsmax contributor Dick Morris. Uh, Go to DickMorris.com. He's the host of Dick Morris Democracy. Some great stuff there. Uh, Congressman Nunes, first you. Hey, great to have you back on Newsmax. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Greg. So what's up with Joe Biden? I mean, this is just not a presidential workload. This is not presidential travel. This is this is very odd. It strikes me. So what the American people are witnessing is what we've seen out here in California, where essentially there's no one that really leads. There's people behind the people. It's a Politburo type of system. So Biden never campaigned. He was always in his basement. Clearly, he's not what Joe Biden once was. The same is true with Kamala Harris. She was put into several positions out in California here. No one ever saw her. She was anointed into the U.S. Senate. She bombed as a candidate for president. She got last place. Well, she was going to get last place, so she pulled out of the race for president. So clearly, Obama is running the White House. You've got Biden and Harris are avatars. Obama's running it. All his same people in there are in there. And in fact, If you were a prominent Russia hoax promoter from the Obama era, you actually got a promotion in the new Obama-Biden-Harris administration. It doesn't sound like it's uh, legal, actually, or constitutional. Uh, Dick, I'd like to ask you, uh, first of all, what do you think of uh, the congressman's synopsis? And uh, is is that constitutional? I mean, there was one president who was sworn in on January 20th, and Barack Obama is supposed to be retired. It's constitutional, but let's go back in history and look at how Biden got into the White House. Gives you a great clue. He was running he was running fourth and fifth in all of these primaries in Iowa and Nevada and New Hampshire. And when he got to South Carolina, 
he knew that he had to win there. Super Tuesday was three days later. South Carolina's primary is a majority black primary. Super Tuesday was about 40 or 45 percent black and Latino. And, uh, and it would determine the nomination. Uh, Democrats were scared about Bernie Sanders being the nominee because he thought he couldn't get elected. And Biden went to Clyburn, who is the head of the South Carolina delegation, and uh, the Democrat, and uh, really the boss of South Carolina, and he cut a deal. And the deal was that Clyburn would support him, which meant that he'd win South Carolina, which meant that he'd probably win Super Tuesday and win the nomination. If Biden agreed to name a black woman for vice president, and everybody knew he thought it was Michelle Obama, and uh, Biden wanted Michelle Obama, and Obama wanted Michelle Obama, but she wouldn't do it. And it, they took um, over a month and a half to nominate Harris uh, because he kept begging Michelle to do it. And uh, Biden planned to run the White uh, Obama planned to run the White House through his wife. Well, he got Kamala Harris, who is not as good, but almost as good. And then he got Samantha Powers in as the domestic policy advisor. Powers was, of course, his UN ambassador and was somebody who had no knowledge of domestic affairs. But she was put in charge of domestic policy because she was the conduit from Obama. Wait a second. And Samantha Powers? Did you say Samantha Power? I thought it was Susan Rice, not Samantha Power. They both were at the UN. So I think maybe yeah. Devin, maybe Congressman, you okay. got, I think yeah, he's talking about. I'm, I think he's I'm talking sorry. about. Uh, yeah, story, uh, but it's all fast. It all checks out story. up until that point, Congressman. Both both uh, Rice and Power are back in the administration. So that's that's actually what I was referring yeah. to. When you had uh, the Russia hoaxers, they were prominent in the Russia hoax. They were active in getting the Department of Justice and the FBI to start investigating the Trump campaign and Republicans. All of these people are back in, and so so uh, Rice is the is the domestic advisor. Many people speculate that she's really running the executive orders. They've done executive orders faster than anyone, and of course the media is completely silent. Why? Because the Democrats own the media in this country, and that's important, I think, for viewers to understand. There's only 95 percent of the content being developed by the media in this country is extreme left wing. There's less than five percent would be anything like what we're what you're watching here on Newsmax. Yeah, well, we invite you to tell your friends and family and get the word out. I'm sorry, Dick, we are out of time. You're, Samantha okay. Power is in the administration. She's at USAID, I yeah. believe, but uh, a okay, key player, definitely. But they're, both, but they're both Obama's people. Totally. And they're both taking orders from Obama. And Biden is taking orders well, from them. And, that's, and they are formulating all of these policies. And that's where I go back to, you know, the constitutional aspect of this. You know, I'm sorry, if they could impeach President Trump over that ridiculous phone call, which wasn't a problem, there are real constitutional issues about a president former president giving orders, who's a civilian, who's not in government. That's my take. But I'm not a lawyer. I don't think any of us are lawyers. And isn't that great? Isn't that great? It's so unusual. Uh, Dick Morris, Devin Nunez, sitting in Congress right now. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Check out DickMorris.com. And also, uh, let's see, right here on Newsmax, Saturdays at 730 and Sundays at 1. We'll be right back. If you've had it with the old news and the same spent, well, then Spicer and Company's your place for the inside story and for the facts that you need to know. This is Ashley Babbitt. 
The Trump supporter who was in the Capitol on January 6th, military veteran, she was unarmed on January 6th when she was shot and killed by, we believe, a Capitol Hill police officer. But that has not been, I believe, officially ruled. So, folks, we actually discovered something recently in looking at the video uh, where she was shot. You don't hear any warning. No one is telling her to back off or stop or freeze, you know, all the things that we believe cops are supposed to say before they use deadly force. Listen for yourself. Do you hear anything like that? I hear a general commotion, mostly on this side of the door, but I don't hear any words of warning. That's interesting, and I think it's uh, very relevant. We're joined now by Terry Roberts, attorney for Ashley Babbitt's family. Uh, sir, I understand you have not yet filed a lawsuit, but you expect to in the uh, weeks to come? Yeah, it'll be in the future. It's going to be in the near future. But I don't have a timetable to tell you right now, but it'll be near future. And what entity or what person will you be suing? Suing the uh, United States government under the Federal Tort Claims Act, and we also be suing the officer that fired the shot. So the officer who fired the shot, um, we don't know who that is. There's some speculation online. I've seen a couple of names mentioned. Do you know who the person is for sure? I believe I do. Uh, and you will, is that person still on active duty with the Capitol Police? Well, now that I can't tell you. I, I believe he is, but I have, I don't have any information about that. We just played the tape, um, and it's something that jumped out at us that, uh, although it didn't the first time, I got to admit, um, you don't hear any kind of warning. And I believe that's kind of what happens. Even in controversial shootings, you often hear a police officer say, you know, stop, hands up, uh, hands up, don't shoot, whatever. Did you hear that? Is that present at all? Did we just miss it? Yeah, so on, on Ashley's side of the door, we've interviewed several witnesses over there, but nobody heard a warning from the police officer. Not nobody. We haven't found anybody. And um, so now it was noisy on her side of the door, but there, there was a gentleman that's actually taking this video right here. He's about, I would estimate about maybe four feet away from the officer. You can see how close he is. Mm young man he doesn't hear any warning whatsoever now there was some there was somebody in the crowd that did see the gun and said gun but it's very noisy on ashley's side of the door i don't believe ashley even knew the officer was there he's off to an oblique angle from ashley he's sort of hiding in that room and then he pops out to fire the shot we know that there will be no criminal charges. That was announced uh, some time ago against this officer. Do you have any problem with that? Uh, and that does not mean that civilly they're off the hook by any means, but what did you think when you heard about that? Well, uh, we strongly disagree with the, the decision not to prosecute. Uh, we think there's ample evidence here uh, from which a jury could find that the officer uh, did not act in self-defense. That's what the prosecutor said was that they didn't have enough confidence that a jury would find that he uh, did not act in self-defense. And we think that there's no evidence that he was acting in self-defense. There was actually, as you've indicated, is unarmed. She doesn't appear to be armed. She hasn't assaulted anybody. Uh, 
So he's not in danger. There's no congressmen in that lobby who are in danger. Nobody's in danger. Uh, in order to shoot and kill somebody, you have to have um, probable cause to believe that your life is in imminent danger or somebody else's life is in imminent danger. Mm. They can't meet that standard right. under this, this evidence. Finally, um, are you disappointed or does it make no difference that there has been scant media attention on this? And I was shocked the day after January 6th, that morning, national news crews in front of the Capitol, and there wasn't a word about this, even though we knew it. I knew her name. I mean, it was known, but unreported. And I found it fascinating. Does this, does this have an impact on you and what you're trying to do now? Well, uh, people are starting to find their voices um, it's starting to gain more and more attention. I mean, part of the problem here is the Capitol Police have not provided any explanation on this shooting. They haven't identified the officer. They've tried to keep it under wraps. And uh, But uh, there's more and more public attention being drawn to it. Well, Terry Roberts, we uh, ask that you please keep us informed, and we appreciate it. Our best to the Babbitt family. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Greg. All right. Uh, hey, Grant Sinchfield is standing by with a preview of the show. Grant, hello. Greg, you know, you and I are always on the same wavelength because tonight I'm covering the Justice Department's quest to go after MAGA patriots, calling them domestic extremists, domestic terrorists, and this push to get $85 billion into the Justice Department to go after a threat that I really don't believe exists here. I think it's all political. So we're going to break that down on the program tonight. Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of folks agree. Some experts in government agree as well. Grant, have a great show. We'll see you later, and I'll be right back. <music> president Trump may have been the most pro-life president since uh, Ronald Reagan, maybe even more so. Um, but the Biden administration is in now, and they're trying to undo a lot of what President Trump did, especially on this front. Father Frank Pavone joins us. He's the national director of Priests for Life. Father Pavone, welcome back. Uh, this issue. Hi, Greg. You, uh, hello. Uh, not receiving much attention because uh, I think the media like it that way, that some of this might be undone. So bring us up to speed. And also, if you don't mind, remind everybody just how good was President Trump on uh, issues of life? Well, you know, Greg, I deal with the abortion issue full time, and President Trump was, without a doubt, the president who has done the most to advance the protection of the unborn, the most to respect Americans' conscience about not wanting to pay for someone else's abortion, whatever they might think of the legality of it, the most to advance the pro-life agenda in the courts by the kind of judges he appointed. The litany goes on and on. It was difficult even for us in full-time pro-life leadership to keep up with all the accomplishments President Trump did for this movement. Now we have a complete sea change. It's a 180. It's literally true to say now that we have the most pro-abortion president. And it's not just because of where Mr. Biden stands. It's because of a shift of the entire Democrat Party, which was already pro-abortion uh, in its leadership, in its platform, but has become worse than ever right now. Taking away the Hyde Amendment, they want to get rid of this, what has enjoyed bipartisan support for decades and has saved over 2.4 million lives, this provision to protect much of our tax money from going for abortion. 
the Democrat platform and Biden himself say, we want to get rid of it. Uh, Title 10, uh, uh, which uh, is from 1970, uh, a law that says abortion will not be funded by Title 10 grants. Uh, Biden wants to put that money back to going to, to, to groups like Planned Parenthood. Uh, you, we can go on and on. He supports uh, uh, laws that would uh, allow abortion without any exceptions or limitations throughout pregnancy. So it, it couldn't possibly be worse, Greg. Wow. Uh, and by the way, we were just looking at a photo montage of Joe Biden in uh, church after church after church. The White House has been very proud to announce that he is a practicing Catholic and he is the first church-going president uh, in a long time. Um, does that make he's any difference? Stop doing, he's, Go ahead. He's really got to stop doing that. And, uh, you know, the bishops are, uh, Catholic bishops in the United States are going to be saying more about that in the coming, uh, in the coming weeks. But he's really got to stop doing that. We have no religious test for public office. And frankly, I'm not interested in what he, what he believes in his, in his faith. I want to see some good governance. And pro-abortion is not good governance. Uh, one more thing. I have seen him pressed on this. Someone denied him communion a couple of years ago, a priest in South Carolina. He was asked about it. He seemed uh, insulted by the matter, and he said he was friends with the Pope, basically. And I just saw a picture of him with the Pope. Uh, I, I, I don't think that counts, does it? No, all, all, you know, I worked at the Vatican for a while, Greg, as you may know, and I can tell you, you know, people meeting the Pope, only, it only proves one thing if you have a picture with the Pope, and that is that the camera worked. It has absolutely nothing to do with uh, the, the, you being in union with the teachings of the church. And I don't know why he wants to receive communion. Communion means union with Jesus uh, and union with the teachings of the church. John Paul II taught that to reject the human life is to reject Jesus. You can't accept Jesus and reject Jesus at the same time. That's, uh, that's a really interesting thing. I'll have to remember that about the pictures with the Pope. It means that the camera worked. And you mentioned that the president, uh, President Trump did so much. And I believe he's the first to ever attend a March for Life, a March. Yes, there he is. Or did he attend in person? I thought he attended in person. One he, of these. he did, Greg. I, yeah. I was just a few yards away from uh, that, that scene that you just showed. Uh, we in the pro-life movement were so energized by that. You know, it, it wasn't just President Trump's policies. And this is true, what I'm about to say on a lot of issues. It was the way he spoke about it. He spoke about it the way American people speak about it around their, around their kitchen table, the way we feel in our hearts. Tens of millions of Americans yeah. that babies ought to be protected. It's so simple. Father Frank Pavone, it is, and he did, didn't he? Uh, he surprised so many yes. people, delighted so many people. Uh, Father Frank Pavone, uh, National Director of Priests for Life, stay in touch. We'll talk soon, and we'll be right back. Always good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Closed captioning brought to you by Pray.com, the number one app for daily prayer and bedtime Bible stories. Bring light to your day. Strengthen your spirit. Download Pray.com right now the number one app for daily prayer. Stay tuned to get this luxurious designer pan free from Gotham Steel. That's right, free. Tired of your pan that scratches and sticks? It's so old and worn, you're afraid to cook in it. Well, it's time to upgrade. Introducing the Hammered Collection from Gotham Steel, one of America's best-selling cookware brands. Hi, Chef Daniel Green here with my new copper-style designer pan that's guaranteed to beautify your kitchen like never before. Gosh, what I love most about this design is this hammered copper look, which just looks so fantastic hanging in my kitchen. 
wow, this is a beautiful pan. It looks great. Look at those eggs dancing around in there. I tell you, I'm sold. Where do I get these? I love them. I don't want just the frying pan. I want the whole set. Eggs stick to other pans, but with mine, they slide right out. And look, it still has the super durable ultra nonstick surface. Plus, the new Cool Touch solid cast handle makes it safe and easy to cook even the hottest dishes. It's oven safe up to 500 degrees, so bake this beautiful chicken pot pie and serve it straight from the pan. Or warm apple pie, just like Grandma used to make. Any recipe looks great in this pan, and then it wipes clean with ease. Plus, metal won't scratch it, so be fluffy egg whites right in the pan for a gourmet souffle that slips right out and a pan that looks just like you. My wife will go crazy for this pan. I, I can't believe how beautiful this pan is. Similar hammered pans sell for almost $100, but today it's an incredibly low $19.99 and we'll even ship it to you free. It's dishwasher safe and PFOA free. But wait, call right now and you can get a matching single-serve egg pan absolutely free. It's perfect for making personalized eggs and delicious breakfast sandwiches in a flash. So upgrade your cookware today and get it all with free shipping. Call or click now. To order, call 1-800-680-1388. That's 1-800-680-1388. Or order online at GothamHammer.com. That's 1-800-680-1388. Call now. I've been using Chamonix for 20 years. Well, I heard about them on the radio. Figured it doesn't hurt to try. So I did, and I was hooked, and I've been using them ever since. What's this year's technology for skincare? And what if you can try it free? Stay tuned to see how you can get Chamonix's brand new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum for free with GenuCell, the new plant stem cell therapy. I loved it, and I've been using it ever since. It's like over 15 years now. Feels like silk. Very rich and moisturizing. GenuCell, I could see changes that were remarkable in less than a few minutes. I got married last year and honestly, this thing saved me. My dry patches were so rough. My makeup artist for my makeup when I did my trial had patches of just makeup just like caked on. At the day of my wedding, she said my skin has never been plumper, more hydrated, completely just like sun-kissed. I said goodbye to the crow's feet and the dark circles for good. Thanks to GenuCell. GenuCell targets under eye bags, dark circles, and even lifts droopy eyelids. The GenuCell secret is plant-based stem cells that quickly diminish the appearance of dark bags and puffiness. The result? You'll see a noticeable difference and look years younger in minutes. The new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum from Chamonix means skin that is smooth as silk, free from redness, acne, and acne scars, and faster collagen production with lactic acid to smooth and firm your skin. Say goodbye to crow's feet and laugh lines. There is nothing in this world that works better than GenuCell. And from now until Mother's Day, get 75% off retail. Get Chamonix's new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum and GenuCell's immediate effects will result in minutes free with your order. And your order will be automatically upgraded to free priority shipping. This crazy offer is backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. Go to GenuCell.com or call the number on your screen. That's GenuCell.com. GenuCell.com. All right, folks, that's it for tonight. Remember, if you're not excited, get excited. Some great things are happening, especially here. All right? Tell your friends and stand by for Cinchfield.